Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Monday Night Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Really thought I was going to mess that up first time, if I'm perfectly honest. But great to be back, boys. We are here to review Monday Night Raw. What did you make of it, Hamflet? Well, I, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news so early in 2022, but I think you might have messed that up. Because I don't know what a WWE pay-per-view is. I enjoyed of course, a, yes. Uh, I enjoyed a premium live. I mean, I didn't enjoy it. It was mostly <laughs> terrible. But I saw a premium live event at the weekend um, that fed quite nicely into Raw. And I only mentioned day one because, thank goodness, we don't have to review it in full. But I quite like day one. I didn't, but I did like the events that informed the show in the daytime. That forced the big change that obviously mm. informed a lot of things on this show. WWE, yet again, has stumbled into something great when they didn't plan for it. <laughs> the events of a pay-per-view that fed into the events of this, which I am genuinely looking forward to getting into talking about, that led to the opener and the main event, has given us something pretty cool that they can build towards, and it's all going to happen on Raw Again, the continuation of a joke that we all kind of enjoyed last year, that the good wrestling show was being usurped by the worst one on television. (laughs) Looks to me like it's going to continue. Really, really enjoyable elements on an otherwise very raw raw. Yeah, I didn't watch Raw for the couple of weeks that I was off. Why would you? And I didn't miss anything. <laughs> aside from this with the title. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I watched, but I watched day one. So I've, I've caught the most important thing. I really quite enjoyed day one, if I'm perfectly honest. There was a couple of things on there where you were like, eh, this is just a TV match masquerading as a paper premium live event match. <laughs> but I thought, I just love watching the Usos and the New Day. And I know it's just a staple. The build hasn't been great, but we always know that the four of them are going to create magic together. I was genuinely pleasantly surprised by McIntyre versus Madcap Moss. I think Madcap Moss has got a decent future, especially by the looks of him uh, in WWE. And that main event at day one, just to quickly recap it, I thought was brilliantly bonkers. Um it was eight minutes. That was a, that's the best thing I can say about it. And I don't mean that to be critical of the match itself. That they thought, we've got this weird thing, let's keep it under 10, I think is 
Remarkable decision making from especially because I was watching them play out these video packages of like, oh, here's Seth Rollins' story from literally like, ironically, day one. Yeah, and I was thinking, ah, oh. I mean, they've got a lot of time to fill on this show because they've taken two main events that would have probably gone 20, 25 minutes each and gone just shoved them together. But I still anticipated it going far too long and being far too complicated. And they just went, no, just do all the. All the hits, basically, Sige. The great irony of WWE's whole ethos, just total bollocks, by the way, is the other, we make movies. <laughs> whether psychology company, whether storytelling company, is that they are exponentially better at spot fests than some yes. companies that use them as their stock and trade at times. They do better money in the bank ladder matches than AEW do multi-man ladder mm-hmm. matches, in my opinion. And they do... They are incredible at Fatal Five Ways. Mm. Have you seen it's a magic this? number, is it? You heard about this? <laughs> they, did this they did this one with, was it like, it was weird. Foley, yeah. Cena, Lashley. Night of Champions, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like seven. five weird, like the, one of the weirdest match graphics you'll ever see. Awesome. Yeah. Like Foley in a five man at that stage of his career, and it was awesome. Then they did the SummerSlam. Was that five or was that four? That was four, but it followed a five. It followed a five. Yeah. That was the summer of it. They loved those matches. Yeah, that it was, summer. It was awesome. And then Brock, Braun was still cool. Yeah, Joe yeah. was a killer. Brock was Brock. Was, they yeah. do a much better chaos spot fest than they do a monologue rest hold. Let's get the marks in slow. No, no, no. Let's get the marks in fast because, <laughs> because it's much better. Um, Raw, there were elements of it that I enjoyed. Yeah. And not just on a perverse level. There was one bit of real perverse enjoyment. I'm just going to tread on the toes of the opening segment where Paul Heyman was like bigging up how good day one was, how seismic day one was. And he said, what's better than a fatal four-way? A fatal five-way. What was the main event? Oh, fatal four-way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I did enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, and I'll be honest, the last time I watched wrestling prior to day one, uh, Paul Heyman was by Roman Reigns' side, so I have no <laughs> idea what was going on there. Anyway, let's get into it. Let's discuss Monday Night Raw. At the beginning of the show, there was obviously a recap of Brock Lesnar becoming WWE champion at day one. Then the lights go down, and I think, oh, God, Malachi Black's here. And then I think, oh, good, thank goodness, it's just Paul Heyman. <laughs> Dude. Uh, Paul, Paul Heyman is standing in the ring, introduces himself, and introduces us to the new reigning, defending, undisputed WWE heavyweight champion of the world, Brock Lesnar, who comes out all smiles. He hoys the steel steps into the ring, climbs up on them, stands there with his belt, gets on the mic as well. It's not just Paul Heyman doing his talking, of course, nowadays. Shouts out his good buddy, Roman Reigns, who must be at home watching the new and the real champion. Uh, He gives him a wink and says, get well soon, buddy. And then says, South Carolina, acknowledge me, which they do. Uh, And he also thanked Paul Heyman for pulling the strings on Saturday, whole free agent stuff that they are continuously pushing uh, to help make him new champion. Paul Heyman gets on the mic. Um, He talks about what's been going on behind the scenes, how he negotiated again for Lesnar to be a free agent um, and then got him into that fatal four, becoming a fatal five-way. Said the line that you said, Sige. Um, Now he's going to concentrate on reigning and defending uh, and he's going to face the winner of tonight's fatal four-way at the Royal Rumble. And he runs down all the potential challenges. He lumps in uh, Seth Rollins, or Seth freaking Rollins, they loved calling him that tonight, Seth freaking Rollins and Kevin Owens, um, lumping him in together because, you know, they are hyenas going after the Lions of the Jungle, teaming together together. 
Uh, it's smart. It's a smart thing to do. Um, smart. Seth, though, has no vision for the future because if he did, he'd realize his wife is going to leave him when he doesn't win the title. Um, as for Owens, yeah, he's good, but he just can't beat Brock either. Maybe they should be traded to SmackDown because Reigns is a vulnerable uh, champion now without his special counsel. I mean, one week without him and Reigns has got COVID. Okay. Uh, it was like Paul Heyman's job that he never told anybody, like helping Roman social distance on SmackDown. Is <laughs> that what it was? He was going around insisting people got the vaccination and wore Oh, Roman, don't lick that doorknob. <laughs> yeah. um, he sort of says, let's talk about MVP. In fact, let's not talk about MVP because no one talks about him anyway. Let's instead talk about Bobby Lashley. And the crowd get really excited here. Talks about him being a worthy challenger. He says, look, him and Brock, they've never met. They never shook hands. They've almost avoided each other. Uh, the first time they met, Lashley speared Lesnar uh, through the barricade. The second time, he speared him again. The third time, he put him in the hurt lock. And very nearly looks like Brock Lesnar wasn't going to be able to get out of it. This is all a testament to how good he is, except that every time he did it, he was attacking him from behind, hitting him on the blind side, etc. If Lashley wins tonight, he's going to have to face Brock one-on-one, face-to-face. That's a different story. Uh, and then he really puts over Big E. Nothing bad to say about him. He said he did. He was a great champion. He did WWE just, justice. He's a credit to WWE, the company, the audience, the viewers, the lineage of the title. He's all that and more. And he'd still be champion, which if you've seen the, the actual spoilers of what was going to happen at day one, is true, would it not have been for Brock Lesnar? But if he wins tonight and gets the rematch, it is going to be an honor to witness that match. I mean, he's going to lose, but it would be an honor to watch him lose. Paul Heyman doing Paul Heyman things, Michael Hamflat. I thought this was absolutely tremendous. And you're right, Paul Heyman doing Paul Heyman things. But atypical of a Paul Heyman promo for the longest time, this didn't feel like he was just on autopilot as mm. well. I was legitimately impressed with the level of detail that was included in this promo. So it's absolutely worthwhile reviewing the opponents when you know full well that you're going to, as Cedric's pointed out, you're going to have the four-way, which is going to feel like a diet version of the main event on Sunday. So you work through putting them all over in one way or another, one by one, to enhance the main event straight away. So you've individually enhanced them. Stuff like the Big E reference was, like, nice and earnestly nice thing to do. I wish they'd been that nice when he was actually the champion. Yes. I, wish they'd, I wish they'd booked him with the conviction that Paul Heyman put into this promo here. Um, like, the Rona and COVID stuff... Is oh, it's not edgy, but it's near the knuckle, and this was quite funny. It's all about how you play with that at this point, and I think he played with that really, really well. There is still a lingering suspicion in the air that maybe he's going to screw Brock, and Heyman knows that, and he knows who he is as a character, so you can have some fun with that. He's instilled babyface Brock's sense of fun into himself, mm-hmm. which I think is what this promo had in terms of energy compared to what Heyman normally does. Even when he was not so much with Roman, but even when he was doing it with Brock, it was starting to feel a bit like played out and this was this felt brand new by comparison and i loved very specifically knowing as i think we all did that lashley was coming up next for brock i loved the detail of Heyman negging mvp because what he sees is kind of a mirror image he doesn't want to acknowledge that mvp is to lashley what he is to brock and i thought what a superb include again just detail 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 from the company that are the absolute worst and this a man water in prospect for those two going forward following the main event that was it he gave you the first look after day one's main event he gave you the first look that oh this is actually gonna happen and rightfully he and Brock and everybody is excited as we all are. A rare case of WWE being quite in touch with the situation in real life, their storylines, and a long semi-scripted, 
because obviously everything still goes through that weird old man in the Austin Theory segment. <laughs> Success story. I, I don't want to call this a home run, but just one of the best show opening Raw promos in forever. Tremendous. I had some fun, some trademark snarky fun, New Year's, same year, etc., with the Fatal Five Way, Four Way line. But other than that, this is genuinely quite mm. masterful. Like the little specific moments that they picked out in that match, retrospectively enhanced said match because they are all leading to this direction. Really great of him to articulate that. It didn't feel like exposition. Mm. It felt like hammering home the point of this guy might just have his number and I'm going to sell that. I'm not scared, but I'm possibly a little bit scared of this. So I thought that um, bit in particular was superb. He didn't do the antagonistic, drawn-out advocate stuff. It felt like he knew that is a bit played out mm -hmm. and he completely reoriented the direction and the cadence and his handful points out the energy of the promo as a result. And yeah, I genuinely just thought this was in short, um, tremendous. Lesnar, just his body language is just tremendous. I, I, I know it's it's something we've, we've spoken about for years, but in that Fatal Five way, I just my jaws on the floor with the ease because he pick up, you know, you pick up Seth Rollins and, you know, Seth Rollins is not a, you know, paperweight. He is a big guy. Chuck him about. You're like, oh, okay, that's impressive. Pick up Kevin Owens. Oh, okay, that's impressive. Then he gets to like Lashley and Big E and, you know, they're involved in this as well. But there was times where he'd pick them up when it didn't even look like they were ready to be picked up yet and he just, it was effortless and he's... He's just a, an incredible specimen, isn't he? What I love about Brock Lesnar is that he's simply so great and so intimidating that even this version, this putrid version of WWE, has never really done anything actively bad with them. Mm. They've done very damaging things. Oh, yeah. They've done very deliberately oppressive things where he kills people in seven seconds. He really deserved more. But nothing like... They've done obnoxious things with him. They've never done anything actively rotten or bad with him, in my opinion, because he's just so great. He's like, he's immune to how rubbish WWE is. It's do you remember when everybody at the same time, Vince McMahon included, loved Braun Strowman? So we thought this is perfect. He's the absolute you probably said it like the ideal of uh, Oh yeah, I've completely nuked my point there. Thanks. No, no, but no, that's no, true though. What I was gonna say was um like the ideal of a fan, uh, an online fan's favourite wrestler, plus Vince Man's favourite wrestler, and he's a giant, and all of these things, and uh, he, he can't miss. It's like, oh, but he's not Vince Man's favourite wrestler. Brock Lesnar is. Yes. Because Brock Lesnar does all these things even better than Braun Strowman ever could. So that was probably what Braun Strowman met was a Brock Lesnar-shaped ceiling, ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, like, time has proven Lesnar still to be the man. So it's, like, not that you wanted burials for Braun Strowman. And at that point, I don't want to sort of suggest that that was a failure on Brock's part or they did Braun dirty because, really, you look at Brock and it's like, oh, no, he's still the guy for all this mm. more than anybody else. He was yeah. suplexing, I was not mentioning him suplexing Kevin Owens right on, just in the the perfect spot where it's like, one inch the other way oh. and you're breaking his neck. I want to tweet this take because it's good, but the mega fans will forgive me. Anyway. <laughs> the take is that when Brock Lesnar enters an arena, the mood changes and it feels more like a fight. It feels dangerous. When Brock Lesnar, when Brock Lesnar enters WWE TV, the company changes. Mm. It's like, it's just automatically better when he's on screen. Be intrigued to see what the ratings do off the back of this. I would, I would have to imagine that it'll get a bump. Like the, oh my eye. The, the conversation was bigger around day one as a result of the, the big changes and stuff like that. A another detail, by the way, um, from day one, Kevin Owens being so furious about Brock Lesnar's inclusion in the five way that he said, um, I'm going to have to go speak to my best friend Sami Zayn about mm. this because of their, uh, like Brock's contributions to the product at large have sort of improved everybody in this version of himself. The continuity was genuinely quite immaculate by WWE standards as well here. It 
felt significantly less like, oh, Christ, we need to make a substitution. And in wrestling law, the substitution, the substitute always kind of wins to steal the headline, basically, and divert attention away from this promotional da- disaster you've encountered. They've worked his inclusion into the Fatal Five-Way match to feel less like, oh, we need a star. And it's like they've linked it back to Paul Heyman pulling the strings backstage. It's just great. Yeah. It's Brock genuinely great. Brock Lesnar was told he's getting, he was going to get a world title match if he showed up at day one. He's here. Yeah. So, and he's a free agent. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, right, we go backstage. Uh, Riddle slides up to Randy uh, on his scooter. He's wearing the shades and the chains from Migos. Migos? Uh, whatever. The, the guys are hanging out with at day one, yeah. which I thought was hilarious because the pernickety side of me loved the bit where they were like, right, we're getting that visual at day one. All four of you on the turnbuckles, um, and Riddle or or maybe Randy in the middle, middle of the ring, we'll get that shot. One of them just wasn't concentrating. He was so taken (laughs) up, just like, hey, hello hello over there, or whatever. And And then he hopped down off the turnbuckle as they did the post, and they're like, right, we'll do it again. You've got half a... Anyway, so he's made. He's got these mates, uh, and he's now thinking that they should start their own rap group. And Orton says, "Look, what about our New Year's resolutions? Give me the chains. Give me the, the sunglasses. You're going to listen to Randy more. Um, Riddle does a rap. No one cares. Just get to the ring. Let's get to the ring. Uh, and they've got a non-title match against uh, Alpha Academy before the match. Chad Gable cuts a promo, calls. Oh, it's a tree trunk, basically. Love that one as well, didn't they? Nice. He did it twice. He put him down. He said, a bloody tree trunk. He was like, yeah, it's a tree trunk. I was like, is that good or a bad thing? I don't understand it anymore. Um, and they they brawl. Otis takes out Riddle with a suplex to take us to a break early on. A pretty brief match. When we come back, uh, Gable's in control. He suplexes Riddle, brings in Otis, gorilla press, two count. Uh, Riddle manages to sort of get rid of him. Um Kicks him in the head, goes to tag Orton, but Gable's gone under the ring. He pulls Orton off the apron. Uh, Otis splashes Riddle. Orton's been taken out of it. Riddle fights back with a running knee, goes to the RKO, and then there's just an incredible show of strength from Otis. Riddle jumps to do the RKO. Riddle, um, Otis doesn't only catch him. He sort of lifts him up in the air, and uh, uh, Riddle's legs are flailing around, and he just slams him down. One, two, three... I was pleasantly surprised that Alpha Academy got a win here, Sige. I struggled to... I struggle with what to make of this, right? Mm. Because it was fundamentally, like, not great. Your reigning, very popular championship act very, very easily dispatched. You had a really enjoyable, lengthy match against Street Profits at day one. Yeah, so it's difficult to buy the finish, and it's fundamentally bad booking to make your champions look as weak as they did Mm. However, I really like the finish. I wish... I was about to say something that was a little bit bollocks there. I was about to say, I wish this Raw match went longer. We know, <laughs> we know that's bollocks. But on a fundamental level, I think they were too easily beaten. It should have felt like more like mm. a struggle. But again, it's the curve of which we always speak. I'm not going to think any less realistically. Like In your head, you have this idea of, I'm going to think less of this act because they would be, I'm not, I don't care. I don't think anybody else does either, but on a fundamental level, this was not the way to do the match, I don't think, but at the same time, I don't care. A lot of people don't either. But I like the idea of the specific finish and how it furthers everything Mm. actually booking to a small degree. This actually feels a little bit like WrestleMania season. Like, Riddle lost the match by doing a nice if misguided thing. 
which is going to inform the sympathy people feel on his behalf when Randy Orton eventually snaps and loses patience with this guy who's a loser with a heart in the right place. Mm. The complete opposite of the uh, former women's tag team champions who were later on in this Yes, show. absolutely. So I, the idea of Riddle losing in this specific way really wasn't bad at all, but it just felt like this will never happen with the Lucha Bros. You know what I mean? It wouldn't happen in a pro wrestling company, but yet again, this isn't a pro wrestling company. Yeah, this was good creative as part of bad booking, I think. Uh, the, the the idea now that Otis has been put over, and this is not just a one-week thing. They are making a point of trying to make a monster out of him at long last as part of the Alpha Academy presentation to make them viable challenges to RK-Bro, presumably for RK-Bro to get the win when Orton can actually drop in with the RKO in a way that Riddle couldn't, to just be like, look, this is what I keep telling you, you need to keep listening to me ahead of their eventual split. So all of that is pretty great creative, but because it's WWE, yeah, I think you have little to no faith. They have designed a product where you're not really supposed to be emotionally invested. You're supposed to feel, huh, right, okay. And I <laughs> can't wait to tune in next week to go, huh, right, okay. So like that's, that's on them, that that's the kind of universe at this point they have created. But... Yeah, they are working quite diligently. From when this started to feel like it was going cold, they've really turned the heat up mm -hmm. on RK Bro. The details have been there for us to observe every week, as we have done. This will, when this split occurs, hopefully, it will be informed by all the details that we've been invited to enjoy and pick up on week by week. That's how you book a wrestling program. You probably just shouldn't book your tag champions to lose yeah. in such a like a formulate way here. Um, I'm getting a little bit tight in the same way that you can still praise the Roman Reigns push and yet get a little bit tired of it. I'm getting a touch tired of the riddle takes the beat in, really build up the heat for the hot tag for Randy Orton to hit the arcade. Like, that formula is starting to wear a little bit thin on me as well. I'm not mm. as... Like, the, you mentioned the Street Profits match. I wasn't as enthralled by that. And I, I'm sort of... Maybe that's a good thing. Losing interest in the arcade bro formula at just the right time because they're going to split soon anyway. But I'm kind of a bit sick of that as well now. I do like the fact they're hitting each other's moves, though. I can't wait till Randy Orton hits a floating, bro. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Sarah Schreiber's backstage with MVP, and Lashley MVP describes the Herculean task he's got ahead of him tonight. And Lashley simply says, Brock Lesnar fears me. Short and sweet. That's what you need to do with Bobby Lashley. Yeah, and it reminded me of those old um, Attitude Era signs. Yes. It was always like Vince fears Bischoff yeah. or vice versa. There was one, like a proper message board one that I just remember to this day. Because at the time I was thinking, oh God, I've read about him in Power Slam. I'm sure he's great, but he's not Steve Austin. Then I remembered, oh yeah, this guy's great. Some message board guy went to a Raw in 1998, right? With a sign Austin fears Misawa. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love the implication. He might as well have just written down on the sign. I know who Masawa is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like not not like they're, they're both wonderful in their respective roles. <laughs> You're paying, you know, in an old Japan show. <laughs> that was great. That was absolutely bloody great. Uh, thankfully for me, you missed all of this in the last couple of weeks. There was a video package uh, highlighting the split between AJ Styles and Omos, and I thought, oh, I really hope I haven't missed something big and important. No, I haven't. It was just the Miz saying, oh. You don't really get along, do you? And then uh, they just split in a tag match. It was nothing happened, um, and that's what's happened. And we're going to get a match between the two of them later on. Uh, almost is backstage with Kevin Patrick, uh, <laughs> who asks him for his reaction to uh, AJ Styles's comments, and he simply puts his entire hand over Kevin's face and says, "That's how I react." A couple of things here. This is a tribute spot to an Andre the Giant mm -hmm. thing he would do. His hand was massive and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> WWE is bad, <laughs> right? Hot take. 
<laughs> they promoted that Omos is going to speak to Kevin Patrick coming up next. And I, I understand that as well. It's like, this is going to be interesting. Omos is now his own man. He's going to speak for himself. Coming up next, you've got to stick with us, stick through the adverts. But WWE is bad, right? So you get this, like, Kevin Patrick stood there with Omos. Like, oh, coming next. And then WWE have the commercial break. And then they come back from the break and there's videos, there's nonsense, there's buffoonery, there's doing... And then it goes to Kevin Patrick and Omos and then Omos does his bit of pie. So, like, he's, uh, like, they're stood there for maybe five minutes and Omos is going, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. I've got some big words that you're going to love this. And then, oh, okay, cool, yeah, we're looking forward to this interview. Yeah, when are we coming? Three and a half minutes. No, Omos is getting a bit worried now because he's thinking this joke is not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> why show us this? Why show them prepping for the interview? It's like, Red lights on. Go, hand in the face. Hey! <laughs> like, just, I wish they weren't bad. I wish they were, like, a nice visual undermined by their own yeah. presentation. Didn't, like, this happened as well, didn't it? Like, they started the Orton Riddle thing early. So, yeah. like, Riddle scoots up. It's like, break. We gotta go yeah, commercial. Riddle rolled up to Orton, and they said, oh, i got a match next. And then they came back from the break, and Riddle rolled up to <laughs> rolled Orton up again. To Orton. Oh, did I not just... I, I know it's early, but have I not just seen this? Anyway... I, this script that gets torn up every week and like even if it wasn't getting torn up, it's being signed off and red inked for that matter by the man in these Austin Theory segments. Oh, I can't that's, wait that's to get to that. That's why these things happen. That's why this show is the way it is. I think I might just let you describe that Austin Theory McMahon segment because it's the best thing in WWE. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Right, next up, we got the uh, mixed tag skip, team match. Skip, skip. God damn it. All right, we will skip this, right? Well, we won't because you've just said that. Because I just don't understand it. How is it? Is it the 24-7 championship on the line, or is this a mixed tag team match, or what, Hamlet? Why not both? They, they've got the belt off Dana Brooke. That was weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So Did, Reggie's the champ now? Reggie's the champion. Is he? I thought, Dana Brooke's still a champion. Yeah. I, well, uh, that's on me, then. <laughs> I thought. Reggie. I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't pay that much attention. Uh, they to didn't show. do a big. She didn't seem that bothered if she did. Well, also, she meant to do the splits whilst he was meant to flip into the ring. So <laughs> that, she just she just went up and went. Oh, I'll just stay on the side. Didn't work. <laughs> no idea. I thought Reggie took the title, and that was the, the, this was used as a mechanism to get. Maybe the belt, I didn't really pay attention. I've, uh, it doesn't matter. I just hope the two crazy kids can work it out. <laughs> 
she seemed really fine with him post match if he just took her title. But then, but what's the title, mate? Didn't wait, no, because didn't she just take it back after? No, because didn't though? Reggie pin our truth? In, in, I don't know, I didn't watch it previously. But he, didn't Reggie pin our truth the previous week when the, the other tag that. team couldn't get along? I didn't, I didn't no, but they did a video that. package before. Yeah, no, I didn't pay attention to that either. Okay, right. Well, enough of all that. Good reason to skip. <laughs> it's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five star review. Review. Nailed it. New Year, same noise. Good. Uh, right, this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Darth Justice MD. If you want to suggest a five-star review review, all you have to do is subscribe to What Culture Wrestling uh, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, and leave us a five-star review suggesting something short, crap, and wrestling-related, just like Darth Justice. Love this. Uh, they, they've sent us. Uh, the best bunch of lads on the web with patter for days. I find the insight and camaraderie from the boys makes the work week less of a grind. True story. The wife and I were leaving the store. I have a fairly common make of truck and my wife accidentally went to the wrong vehicle in the car park and I told her, channeling my best Sidgwick, challenge, channeling his best Hamlet, channeling his best Davy Boy Smith, it's not even my car! <laughs> <laughs> She was not amused. Explaining the reference and where I got it didn't help matters. I, honestly, before you, I need to interject, I can't remember the Twitter follower, but something like this happened during their holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> like they were talking about something. That, oh God, I wish I could remember the context, but that's over in terms of people are so enchanted by it. It's not even my car. <laughs> that they say it out of context to their mystified family members, and I think that's wonderful. Uh, they continue. Uh, when she eventually takes me to divorce court, I'll proudly stand before the judge. <laughs> it's not even my wife. Say, it wasn't even my fault. It's the daddy's fault. <laughs> uh, thanks for the patter and the good faith takes. For my five-star review review, please review the time Sid Vicious and Vader yes. attacked Sting and the British Bulldog while the latter pair were pe playing with a bunch of random kids at the beach. Hamlet, please fill us in on this, because this is before my time. I had no idea this ever happened. Darth Justice, that was, was it? Darth Justice MD. Darth Justice MD. Thank you for that. And But I have to say, I'm not sure how this qualifies to be in short crack and, rest, crap and wrestling rated, because this was Sting and Davy Boy Smith in 1993. The, you know, like ultimate babyface super force against the masters of the powerbomb. Sid and Vader had big powerbombs. That, to me, is just a really simple tag team main event of a pay-per-view, a premium live event. I'd, like, you don't really... <laughs> there it is. Like, the match sells itself. We talk about how sometimes a graphic is enough, and it absolutely is there. 1993, Sting and Davy Boy Smith versus Vader and Sid. So I don't know what exactly he would have been referring to. This is just as straight-laced as it gets, surely. Before we dive into this review, I want to preface it by uh, asking a question, fielding a question to the boys, right? Can you remember, this is, I think, I'm not, not no offence, I think Hamlet will have the answer here. Can you remember how the big, infamous, um, on Anderson versus Sid Scissor fight began? What was the argument that started it, right? I can. Do you want me to answer this question or not? Yes. Uh, Sid was mocking WCW for being an old boys company and he was a bigger star than Ric Flair ever was. <laughs> his, exact, <laughs> his exact line, right, that started all of this was Sid wondering aloud... <laughs> Putting some away with the boys, a mm. couple of 12 inch ounce curls. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I've got my Dexter Loomis's cock and the size of the beers mixed up. Not 12 inch curls, or 12 ounce curls. So the boys in WCW are putting away some 12 ounce curls. It's a standard calm Tuesday in the bar. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and Sid allowed when. 
Why does business suck? <laughs> and like, like uh, you know, and it's like, well, it's because it's good guys who just won't go away. And he's like gesticulating towards Flair, who's Anderson's mate, and start fighting each other with scissors. And it's like, just watch the mini movie of just <laughs> shot and stupid tit. That's why the business is like Ric Flair's probably got a job to play still. It's a great business with Hogan in 94, yeah. but in 93... The business, because you were doing stuff like this. <laughs> Why were they making this mini movie to promote Beach Break or whatever it was? I've There's got to take them, four of them. Those are few. Those mm. are few. My take Beach right, Blast, sorry. Is that people of an older persuasion will recall that what happened in the 1980s is that synthesizers and bright colors and all of this was in. Every credible musician from the 60s and 70s decided, well, I want more Coke money. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do synth music because it's in and like every single one of them did it like synth, synth, synth it's not cool it just they think that's what they have to do in the early 90s WWF and WCW were like WCW basically did their we have to do synth music we have to do fed stuff that's what yeah. that's what did it that's what's doing it for them so they just did synthy fed stuff and they just thought the way to beat the competition competition is to emulate the competition terribly so we get a, a, there's a picture of a boat, uh, and it says somewhere in the Gulf of Mexico, and there's Colonel Robert Parker singing, singing David Boy out here on an island somewhere having a party with a bunch of kids. Can you imagine that? It's <laughs> a Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, God. <laughs> Can you imagine that, Harley? The biggest day of their lives coming up. <laughs> What are they doing out here partying with a bunch of snotty-nosed kids? I can see a private charter over there. <laughs> I know you think I'm dabbing my forehead, but I can't actually sweat. Boys are fucking tongue. Harley Race says, You mean to tell me that they missed our rally to be here with a bunch of snot-nosed stingers and they're sti uh, Sid and Vader and they're getting... Fired up, <laughs> it just right down the lens as they spot the the islands right ahead. Colonel Parker points out, and we cut to <laughs> we cut to Sting and uh, uh, Davy Boy playing volleyball. Cut back to the boat, uh, and Harley says, "Colonel, if they don't accept our offer this time, they're going to be in for a big surprise." Is your man ready? And uh, there's a lot of edits in this, by the way. Needless edits. But yeah, yeah, he's ready. <laughs> Sid's like, please let me do it. And, and Vader's like, no, no, I'll take care of it. And Parker's like, now, now, they'll see the reason. They'll see the reason. And as for Cheatham, I trust him like he was my own. I told Willie B to be prepared in the event that Sting and David Boy don't see the light. If they decline our proposal, they'll be in for a beach blast they've never seen before. So to speak, and they'll <laughs> maniacally <laughs> start laughing. And then we cut to a little person with a fin on his back wearing a snorkel and an eye patch who swims up. He's got, he's got this package with him. He swims up to some kids and they ask him what his name is. And he says, My name's Jaws, and tells them to scram. And then he puts a bomb on a boat, right? <laughs> and uh, they pull up onto the uh, island and uh, cuts them. They're having a great time playing volleyball. Really enjoying it. And then Davy Boy goes, "Whoa, whoa, hold it! <laughs> looks like we got some." Hey, Stinger! Looks like we got some uninvited guests here. <laughs> and it, uh, uh, one of the kids goes, "It's, it's Sid and Vader." <laughs> 
And Stig says, well, what do you suppose they want? Everyone just stay here. Davey, let's go see what they want. Then, inexplicably, it cuts to a Western standoff. <laughs> literally Western, you know, the whistling, the... Diddly. Yeah, they're walking down the beach towards each other and they greet each other. And uh, Harley says, well, Harley can't believe that they wouldn't accept their proposal. It's two tickets to a retirement haven of their choice. Either do that, uh, Parker says, or suffer the consequences. <laughs> <laughs> and Sting turns to Davy Boy and says, uh, look, maybe we should just forget about this whole thing. I mean, look at the size of these guys. You've got Vader, you've got Sid. You know, maybe we should take them up on the offer. Davy Boy goes, what are you talking about? I don't want no offer. Uh, and they say, and Sting says, "No, come on, look at look at the size of you know Vader. Look at the size of Sid. Maybe we should just take these tickets and retire." Oh, and the kids and their parents they all look sad. And then together they go, "Nah, I don't think so. We'll see you a beach blast." Cuts the kids. Yay! Beach blast. It's funny. Sid mentions that's Miller. Hang on. <laughs> Try that again. Yay! Yay. <laughs> it's funny Sage mentions about how, like, the 80s was synth, so wrestling being wrestling was like, we best catch up with that by 1993. <laughs> like, yeah. this was the perfect moment for Sting and David Boy to go, not, but that only came around in 1992, so naturally David Arquette said it in 2000, yeah, when, right. wrestling, when wrestling finally heard it for the first, you seen this, uh, Wayne's World, everybody's talking about eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Harley Race tells them they just signed their own death warrants. They won't even make it to Beach Blast. Uh, and Parker says, you might be on this island for a long, long time. Long, 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 Trivia, check it out. Big cock. <laughs> they, uh, we had them, we've had them stepping off the boat, by the way. Though. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I neglected to mention them stepping off the boat. They're in, they're, people might, they might not have seen this. Obviously, go and check it out on YouTube. Sting and Davey Boy playing beach volleyball and their shorts on the beach and stuff. Sid and Vader are in full gear. <laughs> right, they're in their full wrestling gear. They've gone on this boat to the Gulf of Mexico dressed for combat, obviously. Almost full gear. But wrestling gear is quite expensive, I imagine. They don't want the boots going in the sea. The camera pans down. As it, sorry, camera pulls out. Sid's in his blue trunks and his blue knee pads. Like, the lesser spotted Sid gear. He looks great in blue. Yeah. And flip-flops. <laughs> Vader's in his classic Vader attire. And massive early 90s white trainers. Because they're like, wrestling boots like $100. I'm not walking in the sea in them. Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's 1993. Well, that's why Sid was complaining, like, I don't have money for boots for the sea. <laughs> I, I'm now I'm not splashing out on jellies. Do you remember jelly shoes? <laughs> yeah, jelly shoes. Uh, so they're laughing maniacally, and the two of them, as Sting's thinking, oh. well, uh, sorry, I think David Boy says, what do they mean by that? <laughs> and Sting says, well, they're desperate people, and desperate people do desperate things. At Beach Blast, they're going to be tough. Dave Boy goes, well, enough of that, bollocks. Time to go and play some volleyball. <laughs> Basically, and they go off. Uh, but in the midst of all this, the two children who were, who were met by Jaws uh, are chatting to Sting, and they, they tell him that there was a funny guy hanging around the boat. He says he's the Duke of York. <laughs> <laughs> he... Uh, <laughs> Sting also says, say what? Which is a well, probably quite close topical reference. Yeah, that almost topical. Okay. Uh, so Sting runs off to the boat, and Davy Boy catches up with the kids, uh, and he, the girls say that the boat was going click, click, click. You know, Sting's gone to fix the boat, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, no, they wouldn't. And well, I, you, I, if you're not going to watch it for the people wearing the gear or the 
Robert Parker impression or whatever, watch this video for David Boy Smith running along the beach because (laughs) (laughs) it defies... Hamlet told me what this looked like before I watched it, and it was even better than how you described it. I can imagine someone's laugh. I've watched Rocky Three when he's training and running the sea. He's, he's got a big top off. He's mm. a boxer at the end of the day, Rocky. But he's got strong legs, strong, powerful legs to send through. Bottom off, the same, David Boyce. Big legs, running through the sea, splash, splash, splash. Top off, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's like, you know those flip books where it's like you just flip it through and it's like picture of a fireman, picture of a policeman, but sometimes you can have the legs of a fireman and the legs of a... It's a different top off. I've no idea what's going on. Running, right? So when you're using your arms, you want to try and cut through some of the air. Obviously, it's going to help propel you forward. <laughs> if he points wingspan, it's so massive. But I think he's making it worse for himself. He's creating, he's like a flying squirrel because his biceps won't permit his arms to touch his sides. It's the, oh, it's the maddest image. Um, and also my favourite thing is, obviously, they've got, they haven't got a timer. For some reason, they haven't bought a clock, you know, with like a... a they've literally <laughs> just bought a clock. Like a little clock you used to have on your bedside table. They haven't got that digital seconds. Yeah, oh, yeah. or even just a just a you know an old fashioned alarm clock that had you know you, you, oh when it hits the top then you know it's that's all the zero boom explosion. It's just a clock, a clock that reads eleven fifty eight by my it's, calculations. It's, There's still a minute left before the bomb's going to go off. I've just remembered one of the times of my bloody life. You know when I used to watch Twenty Four. Yeah, right. We used to watch it first year of uni. It was, it was absolutely <laughs> just great. I was kill this thing. I, on a Sunday after you've had your weekend and that, the best thing ever, watching 24 on DVD. Did you ever used to guess the time that was going to come back on after the breaks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it was the best. It, yes, because they cut the... Yeah. Yes. You think it's like 25, 12, 25, 12. <laughs> 25, 40. You're like, oh, sake. Oh, my God. But yeah, this clock's reading 11.58... You can't really see it. Two seconds. They still close them. There's still tension. And I was like, "Oh, it's still bags of time." But instead, David Smith, there's a shot of him diving off a pier. I assume because he's taking a certain angle of just like I'm diving through the air, and suddenly his shoulder tackles Sting off the boat, and the boat does the most ridiculous comedy boom explosion. (laughs) And you think, "Oh well, guess that's them dead." (laughs) And we just see. I was going to say smouldering wreckage, but it's just a piece of material yeah. with some smoke next to it on the beach. Not in the sea where the boat was. It's probably like Ted Turner's real boat or something, wasn't it? They're not like, if it was WWE, they're not going to blow up the sexy bitch, are they? <laughs> <laughs> so you think, oh, God, and the kids are all looking sad, like, I think I've just witnessed two men, grown men die. My heroes are typically, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now he can't play volleyball, probably. But <laughs> <laughs> well, then they both burst out of the sea. Everyone cheers. Yay! Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and uh, and then it says to be continued at Beach Blast. I mean, Brilliant! Just, I mean, it's a hell of a sell. It's just a wrestling match. You can't follow this. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, we go to the comments. They're all right. The comments. Uh, I'm going to say anyway, just to be legally secure. Are they mourning? Oh, I should have put some big tit women on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not many because it's not got many views. This deserves more views without question. Uh, but once again, these don't... Ref- some of them do, but most of them don't reflect the views of myself. The Daddy no, they Boys. don't because we didn't say them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they do not reflect the views. Yes, a fair point. Of myself, the Daddy Boys, or anyone who walked to wrestling. Paul Richardson simply writes, how did this not win an Oscar? Which is a fair point. Yep. Some of the acting in this is truly, truly People say this earnestly about Alexa Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> more on her later Worse than this. Uh, That's more Alexa. Yeah. 
Raymond Solis Jr. writes, this is better than any movie Hogan has starred in. It's, I mean, it's up there. It's a lot like most movies Hogan starred in. Yes. There was a lot of beach and boats and bombs and things like that. One of my favourite things I did over Christmas, I went back uh, and uh, stumbled across the Hogan's Lies Over the Years thread that yeah. uh, Alan Cheapshot did. Uh, about him saying Darren Aronofsky begged him to be in the wrestler. <laughs> and he went, I've literally never said anything to him. Um, did he catch the name of the boat? What was the name of the boat? Bit of LTST here, Thunder. So. Very nice. <laughs> Foreshadowing his arrival. Uh, Edge. Edge, apparently. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, this is the video that made them decide that Bulldog was going into the Hall of Fame. So there you go. With sensational acting. An insight from Edge. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Bodenlos Dodenhos writes, nothing says early 90s as much as a little person dressed as a shark, bombing a boat, sitting flip-flops and bulldog going, nah. That's pretty 90s, this. Yeah. To its detriment. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last, you know, I normally try and find a funny, inappropriate one. There isn't any. This is just this bonkers comment from Gloria. You said, I'm obsessives. My neighbours, just your new video. I have stings years on my account. I told you I don't have high cell phone. Oh, Gloria's all right. She hit her head before she hit that comment. Call the authorities, Sting. That's what I called a message. Is she, like, trapped somewhere? She's actually currently rigging Sting's boat with a bomb. (laughs) So, yeah, once again, uh, thank you very much. To Darth Justice MD for suggesting that. Don't forget, you can do so. There's a difference between the five star reviews of the ones we would recommend and the ones we wouldn't. I think Mm. that's fair to say, isn't it? Absolutely worth going out your way to watch this. Seven seven minutes. Great great watch. Just trying to determine what Robert Parker's actually saying is (laughs) quite funny. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I've been reading in the Daily Mail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got more of this later on with Vince McMahon's segment, so, you know. Oh, Christ. Let's fly through the rest. Yeah, that, back. Was the, that was the main event. That's like Shibata versus Narita. <laughs> <laughs> right, back to Monday Night Raw. Uh, Becky Lynch is out for a promo. Interesting this, right? You watched both. Was watched it? Day, no, not the promo. But you both watched day one. I'm fairly certain there was the whole story was, was me- well, obviously she was meant to have her foot on the ropes, but she couldn't reach it for the pinfall at day one. I assume. Mm. That's, that's certainly yeah. what I took from it. But also, I thought there was a, Fairly obvious eye poke that the commentators missed as she was going for the as uh, Morgan was going for a finisher. No, the whole thing scanned as way too clean because like they, all of it, like the live more. I don't think it was a positional thing as such, but the commentators missed it. Then the foot on the rope went wrong, and even after the fact, I don't know if this was like correction through the headset, but the commentators didn't even acknowledge that anything about it was. Well, cheap. I thought that was going to be the so, whole point. Is is uh, they were going to say? I think they deliberately had a miss on the eye poke. The way it was shot, <clears throat> you know, she sort of there was a there was a definite. It wasn't like she caught her going for a finish and then immediately mm-hmm. hit the manhandle slam and won. I thought caught her. Something happened. Then she hit the manhandle slam. She was there protesting to the referee afterwards, but they deliberately didn't mention it to give her some, you know, onus. Because the commentators even said, "Oh, clean victory there for Becky Lynch at day one." And I thought, okay, so Liv Morgan's going to come out and go. Yeah, but what about this? And then it just wasn't mentioned here. But anyway, Becky Lynch came out and cut a promo, talked about New Year's resolutions. People, uh, everyone has them. Uh, women in the locker room were going to make a resolution to become women's champion, but that's never going to happen. She's never going to give it up. None of them can beat her. Um, she had time to reflect over uh, over the new year, though, and she realized that she's a work of art. Um, this was just some bad writing, this, for them to get to the line, Vincent Van Goat 
eventually. Um, but she said that Liv Morgan broke her promises to the fans and to herself. Out comes Liv Morgan. She says, oh, look how, how close I came to winning the title. And I was like, this isn't the story you're meant to be telling here. But she said, I always give it my all. That's what I did at day one. Uh, she said, Becky Lynch said, that's all well and good. And I thought, to be fair, Becky Lynch is spot on here. But she didn't win. Maybe she will win the title one day, but it won't be till after I've retired. Uh, Bianca Belair interrupts. She's sick of hearing from uh, Lynch. She wasn't buying any of her hype. Um, she said, look, I did take a little sidestep to deal with it dude app. And I thought, oh, thank goodness, that's all over. Well, we'll see you in a few segments about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she wants to be right back in line for a shot of Becky Lynch's title. And Becky Lynch did the old, well, you two seem to both want to have to fight me. So why don't you fight each other? I'm off. Um, uh, there's a place for people like you who were just obsessed with me. It's called the women's locker room. Nice line from Morgan about, well, how would you know about that? You've not been in the women's locker room for years. Um, but yeah, they, instead of brawling with each other, attack Becky Lynch. Then when she's been chucked out of the ring, they fight with each other. It looks like uh, Belair is going to hit Morgan with the KOD, but Lynch knocks her down, manhandle slam, and uh, walks out posing with the belt. Sid, your thoughts? Stars, you mean to go on? This will not get remembered in three weeks, right? Ever. No one will ever remember this in three weeks, right? WWE have done significantly worse segments, and they will continue to do significantly worse segments than this. You will never see anything as bad as this on AEW television. Oh, yeah. Even if it's something incredibly generic, like really mediocre white men doing things that they shouldn't be doing on telly, like Matt Hardy and freaking the rest. Like Paul White Gun Club. Like, that's, but it's never like actively as bad as this. You've got a, a, an entitled whining loser in Liv Morgan. And I don't want to go two-footed on her because it's impossible to deliver these lines well. Yeah. But her cadence and these lines are such a toxic combination. She is so unlikable. That's why no one makes noises for her. Like maybe they do at the end of the matches where they, they can appreciate her effort and endeavor. It's the toxic combination of the, the motivation behind the promos and the way she recites them is just I find it awful mm. she'll never get over with this kind of characterization ever and then you have two baby faces attacking the heel who's already struggling badly to get an earnest heel reaction because she's Becky Lynch <laughs> T -t terrible like it's the one thing we didn't want to happen <laughs> if you want uh, Becky Lynch to get booed do not put her in a sympathetic position against two baby faces who you re Zent for ganging up on the heel. It's pathetic. I just don't, I don't understand why Liv Morgan didn't mention the fact that Becky well, that as well. Yeah, well, yeah. But, but if she did, she's a mourner. Yeah, they exactly. They do I things that make everyone look like an arsehole for pointing them out. Yeah, I don't know how we have segments like this. Wrestling's fake. You like this is not real. You like Becky Lynch doesn't have to back up her words with a bit. Like it's just make it make sense, you know. And they actively chose not to here. There was a couple of like takeaways I got from this. Like I. I don't, I, I'm a bit like Cedric, I don't want to go into Footed and Liv Morgan, but I think this run has been a failure. And I think like the matches haven't particularly delivered, the promos haven't been great, the material's woeful. Mm. But every now and then, when everything kind of, when the stars align, some people can elevate the bad material, and Liv Morgan unfortunately hasn't done that. And I think it's probably back to being lost in the shuffle for a while. Yeah. And then maybe she goes again. Like yeah. It's not the end, it's just not right now. However, I'm increasingly worried that unless... Do we do we have one of <sighs> three surprises? <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> like unless they have like one of like three surprises, you know, in the pocket for the Royal Rumble. Like are they thinking, oh, Bianca Belair's SummerSlam Redemption is coming at WrestleMania and people clamoring for that? 
because I'm not sure they are. Because we've had Becky and Bianca have several matches now, and you're just trying to insert her back into the conversation. Now she's she says she's done with Dewdrop, and there might be she's not going to get a title match at the Rumble. That's like that seems fairly obvious to me that she's the rank outsider of any one of those three. Designated jabber. Yeah, like I think they're genuinely trying to insert her now, as if to say oh, what happened at SummerSlam isn't going to happen at WrestleMania, and that's when she wins it back. She's in a star on a greater level than a Liv Morgan and a Dewdrop, but there's nobody else on Raw currently. Mm. I just I worry for that match, I guess, because it's just not there. Becky Lynch as well, the Heat. We say this every week. It's pantomime. She literally had to come out and say, like, you're yeah. not going to lose that £10 and, and you're not going to get out of South Carolina or whatever. Fans are here. They just enjoy booing her because they know they're being told to. They, she might as well be holding up a flashcard saying boo me. <laughs> pantomime stuff. They feel very deeply for Becky Lynch and adoration and a love that hasn't gone away. And they're booing her because they love her that much. It's, it's not Heat. Uh, in the back, uh, Kevin Owens approaches Seth Rollins, uh, and uh, Rollins asks whether he should staple Heyman's lips together or rip out his tongue. And then there's a nice bit of knowing thing between them of like, well, let's just do the strategy. We were going to do it for the Fatal 4-Way at the pay-per-view anyway. And not only did they plot out winning the match, they also said, well, yeah, we'll win the match. Then we'll one of us will win the, help the other one win the title at the Royal Rumble, and then we'll face each other at the best WrestleMania main event you've ever seen, which I appreciated. And there was a nice little touch of like, you're not lying, are you? No, I, I trust you. I, you trust me, and I trust you. Kevin Owens is so great. He's yeah. got chemistry yeah. with everyone. More good details work here as well. This, this is a good act, this Kevin Owens. Yeah, I love it. And they've spotted it really early. This is a good act. At day one, they were true to each other. One would have let the other one win the title. As if to imply that right now, they're more desperate to win the title than they are turn on each other. That the, will in come. The, in the main event, yeah. Rollins hit that frog splash after Owens hit the frog splash. And Owens wasn't scrambling up to stop him. He's arms in the air. We've got this match won. They are thinking about the deal. Like, again, are we heading to Rollins and Owens at a WrestleMania yet again? I, I don't know. That. It does. It feels like the season for it, doesn't it? But when they said that, I was like, oh, yeah, very funny. Yeah, oh, you two fight for the title. And I was like, I mean, it'd probably be brilliant. So, actually, yeah, I think I do want that. Change of plan. Like, keep them exactly like this. And then when do you pull the trigger? Well, the Royal Rumble's perfect, isn't it? One throws the other and straight away you've got it. But, like, I really, really like this act and I appreciate the work both of them are putting into um, to keep it valid. It's it, it's the Roman Reigns thing. You know how, like, Roman Reigns could never be positioned as not watching the show? What, monologue? No. Like, <laughs> as relates to the Paul Heyman thing. If he just watches SmackDown, you'd be like, well, that guy's a snake. So Roman Reigns always had to be in front of that. Seth and Kevin Owens are trying to stay in front of the obvious, which is that one is eventually going to turn on the other, and I just quite like that. It's Very a great spot in the Rumble, them two, and then Sami Zayn comes out. Yeah, there's loads you could do. It's, it's some good stuff. When you work. put your work into the characters, you can have them interact with other ones, and it all makes mm. sense. Mm. Speaking of putting work into characters, Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley <sighs> teamed up for a women's tag team title Scared. match against Wheatley <laughs> uh, It was only a couple of minutes long, and it was the story that we've seen throughout the throughout the time of these two. Rhea Ripley dominates, brings in Nikki A.S.H. Nikki A.S.H. get a bit of offense in, but she's crap. She's crap. So she got rolled up by Queen Zelina, pinned. <laughs> And then they just look shocked at each other. Can yeah. this just be over, please? She is see? actually talented just to... Yes, oh, no, yeah. But she didn't look at it in this match. Got lost at one sequence. And if you get lost in a match this short, there, there are problems. Uh, the same crap we've seen a million times. What's, what's next? I'm starting to... Uh, well, well I want to know your thoughts on Johnny Knoxville entering the Royal Rumble. I know it was announced, I think, at day one or just preceding day one. But Johnny Knoxville's in the Royal Rumble. It's exactly the sort of thing I would hate if AEW did it, but I don't mind with WWE because they are different companies with different products and different selling points and different values, and I'm not not into this at all. I if you, love if you this. take your head away from the fact that stop projecting your 
I wish WWE's more like pro wrestling values onto it and drive what it actually is yeah. and jackass rules. WWE, I mean, just the 24-7 division alone has been closer to Jackass than WWE a lot of the time. So Johnny Knoxville sort of fits more than just being a celebrity stunt cast. And let's be but honest, the last in-ring Jackass thing we saw was pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. Margo, if I remember it. Like, speaking of stunts, it's going to be legitimately fun on a preview podcast one of these days around the Rumble season to think about what Johnny Knoxville is going to want to do. This is not just going to be in and then, like, Drew carried out or whatever. There's going to be some fun to be having. I did like, I can't remember who I saw posting this on Twitter, but I, I think I saw Botchamania share it of the photo of him. Remember when he did the, the boxing with Butterbean in like a shop? Oh, yeah. And he's just <laughs> out on the floor and he's like, you know, can barely breathe. And he says, is Butterbean okay? Someone <laughs> replace that with, is Walter okay? <laughs> Great. Really excited for that. We also got more announcements of Royal Rumble participants. Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins, and apologies to already ruin your 2022, Sage. As we call, the Mysterios are going in, 29th of January, the split is happening. Like we always said, Royal Rumble 2022, we called it, we're back in 2019. Not just Electric Channel the Ramp, Electric Channel the Ramp to eliminate his dad is going to be... How does that work? How <laughs> does Wait. that work? <laughs> Royal Rumble, no, no, Fabian, like one of the longest ramps. <laughs> all the way, flings him from Come the ring, all it. the way to the back. Like we always said, 40-yard fling of his own dad. They might have one of those uh, windy fellas. You know, like, remember, like the ramp. Yeah. Oh, they, there's loads of botches because they don't know what they're doing. Oh, that'd be fun. I should, what was what was the rumble where they uh, gave him little carts to the ring if they were over a certain height? Basically. Oh, 2017 in San Antonio. Like the, the fact. Oh, look, there's Mark Henry. Anyway, look over here. Wait, Mark Henry's in the ring. Fantastic. Uh, speaking of the Street Profits, they had a brief match with Apollo Cruz and Commander Aziz. Commander Aziz dominating. Um, uh, like Montez Ford slapping the taste out of his mouth and then going, oh, I shouldn't have done that probably. Uh, he also got uh, shouldered out of the air by Aziz after he came off the top, after he tried to beat him down, basically. Anyway, um, Apollo Crews looks like he's going to get pinned by Dawkins, but Aziz saves him, pulls Dawkins to the outside, but Aziz gets posted. Um, Crews hits an Inziguri on Dawkins. That sends him into the ropes, but Ford makes a blind tag. Uh, they hit their double-team finisher on uh, Apollo Crews, and a brilliant, yet again, frog splash from Montez Ford gets them the victory here. Street Profits are great. There's nothing to this, but I just want to say wrestling is sometimes not fair. Commander Aziz is better, marginally, than Omos but has nowhere near his aura. So he is going to struggle as long as those two are on the same show and pretty much the same, not the same story as being told because there's no dissension between mm. uh, Apollo Crews and Aziz, but it's really hard not to compare like monster, better technical wrestler guy as a pair when you've got the, like in every sense really, the superior one. Almost his work, of course, doesn't compare to Aziz. Mom, can we have almost? We've got almost at home. Yeah, and it's just, I think they're kind of stuck as a result. I'm going to be even harsher on that. I've been... Otherwise, uncharacteristically, quite enthusiastic. Maybe yeah. I'm just happy to see the boys again after Christmas break. <laughs> but generally, I thought there's some decent stuff on this uh, week's Raw. So I'm going to just get rid of this out-of-body experience. <laughs> <laughs> Back into my uh, vessel. <laughs> 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 and uh, piss on everyone's chips. I watched everything Commander Aziz did, and it wasn't great. I watched everything Amos did. And I heard not a single soul react to any of it. And this is WWE's big play for the future. So, so the big lad's back. <laughs> I didn't think that before. <laughs> because that's just made the 80s happen again. Get the big lad's back. And like, oh Christ, the work was bad and no one cared. Yeah. 
Cross booth matches. This is like happening on a roll that we're reviewing instead of one we're not because it was supposed to happen over Christmas and the match at the house show was so criminally awful that they said, now we need more time. And that apparent time was two weeks. Yeah, it's like, all right, he's fixed it. He's fixed all the problems that we had at the house show. Uh, Damien Priest gets asked, asked about his title match. There is a title match between him and Jesus Dolph Ziggler. Jesus Christ, this is the longest podcast ever. <laughs> United States Championship match. Um, but if he gets counted out or DQ'd, he can lose the title. He says that he's going to keep the, the calm, cool, and collected version of himself involved so then he can win. He wants Dolph to fight like a man, but because if, if not, he knows what will happen. You know, is it going to be the Damien side or the Priest side? Either way, either side... <laughs> It'll remain champion. So it's just it's like, so I need to keep that side of control. But if I don't, the, the same result. Yeah, I'll still win anyway. Woeful material. And like an appalling character, this, that again, if anybody, like, Trek WWE with any respect whatsoever, like, this would be derided as like all time wrestle crap. But all of it is now. It's just this like malaise around WWE that like they kind of make you not care. This is an abysmal character that they love. Mm. So, like, this could well be the thing that propels Damien Priest to WrestleMania. Is he gonna, and it's awful. Is he going to get two entrances in the Rumble? <laughs> like, you know, there are many, you know, many faces of Foley, but the two sides of Priest. Hey, Damien in the uh, Rumble. Oh, he's been eliminated, but here comes Priest. <laughs> he goes to AEW, they'll have to split him in half for the tunnels. <laughs> uh, right, um... Oh, God, right. Sonia Deville and Postman Pierce are in their office. In comes Idujab. She's annoyed for some reason. Did she get beaten by Bel Air whilst I was off? Yeah, lost the feed. Yeah. Well, she's annoyed that Bel Air and Morgan are getting opportunities. Uh, she wants involved. She called him Grandpa. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a triple threat between Dewdrop, Bel Air, and Morgan next week for the Son- opportunity. Sonia Deville's like, we don't just hand out title shots. Hey, Dave, every week, all the time. It, yeah. Here's one. <laughs> here's one right now. <laughs> Someone on Twitter rightfully pointed out. To uh, do drop in WWE, like under the official post in which she was tagged, saying this doesn't make any sense because do drop lost the food to Bianca yeah. Belair, so she should be next in line. And bless her, she's trying to make it work. She's probably sick of the. She probably had the worst people after her on Twitter. Does uh, do drop? And she went, yeah, yeah, but like if you think about it as well, Bianca Belair lost a million times, and so now is Liv Morgan. So what do you think of that? <laughs> so, all right, well, you're all li- you're all losers. Like, oh, come on. Like, don't just say no if you've got. Imagine trying to use WWE's booking to 1-0 anybody. I never. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't defend it, like... Uh, Right, both Damien and Priest teamed up then to take on Dolph Ziggler for the United States Championship. Early on, Ziggler hits a tornado DDT off the barricade, uh, which looked great, to be fair. Um, Come back after the break, Priest fighting back, back and forth. Ziggler hits a running knee strike for a two. Priest hits him with some kicks and a cliffhanger DDT. He gets a near fall off that. Then as Ziggler's got the referee distracted uh, and uh, Damien Priest going up top, in comes Robert Roode, who's not been there throughout the match, to drop Priest from the top <sighs> rope. Ziggler hits a famouser, gets a near fall. Um, Priest takes out Ziggler, goes after Roode on the outside, uh, gets a steel chair, but then realizes he's about to get counted out, so slides in. He's still got the steel chair with him. Ziggler is begging him to twang him with the steel chair, but instead he throws it at Roode. The distraction of that, of Roode hopping up on the apron, uh, allows Ziggler to hit a zigzag for a near fall, uh, but then either the Damien or the Priest side of himself kicks out, um, and Ziggler goes for a super kick. Priest hits Reckoning. 
one, two, three. I quite enjoyed this. I mean, it wasn't a four-star match, but it really felt like it, considering <laughs> like the crowd was actually up and they were actually hot. Again, it, go, it links back to what we were saying at the start of the podcast, when they did an absolutely chaotic, like, really explosive main event at day one. It serves this audience and just genuinely everyone to just do action. You can't do stories. Don't do methodical bollocks with monologues. And it just felt like, if just why don't you just do the cheapest things every time? Yeah. Like the near falls, the kickouts that you weren't expecting because the finishes. Let's crowd rough that. You've conditioned your audience to only expect that. So just become like PWG 2.0. <laughs> Damien Priest, and nor should he have to, by the way. This is not a criticism of him. He's not amazing at selling that he's two people because he's one. So like, <laughs> I, I, think it's an un- it. I think it's an unfair expectation to expect him to sell two people. However... Um, Zion Lee can't fire a lightning bolt out of her fingers, but they can make it so. What I'm suggesting Has she been is, doing that? What's what I'm suggesting off, by is the they use the... I've not even heard of her. She's not getting on TV. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's only lightning. Like, uh, what I'm suggesting is that they use the augmented reality to have either Damien or Priest like, supplanted onto his face. So mid-match, have like just sort of like, oh, this is not very good at pulling the face, so he's becoming Damien. Just have this big red devil appear over his body for the duration of the bit where he's got to be Damien. And then it dissolves again. And he's like, oh, his priest is fine. <laughs> just do that. Yeah, fine. Uh, right, next up, Austin Deary went into Vince McMahon's office. And he's got so bad these segments, they have to pre-shoot them. Because <laughs> they had several multiple camera angles. And this was not live cutting. You can quite clearly tell they were like, right, well, Vince can't remember it. Six words together. So we have to just keep cutting it all together. Um, and... He, so uh, disarming as well. He, he had a go at Austin Theory. I don't know what's going on recently. I think he fought Finn Balor lost and then beat him up. That's what I took from it. Uh, Austin Theory apologized and then apologized for apologizing and say he didn't mean to interrupt, but he did interrupt. So don't, don't, Vince told him not to do that. Uh, and he asked about this rematch with Finn Balor and McMahon said, yeah, never mind all that, bollocks, no one cares. Um, so instead, <laughs> we're going to put you in the Royal Rumble. And if you win the Royal Rumble, you're going to go on and main event WrestleMania. Theory was speechless, but it's not about what he said. It's the way he said it, isn't it, Hamlet? God damn, I love this Vincent Austin Theory stuff so much. He, just before, like Austin Theory, he hears a knock on the door and Vince is on the phone and he goes, come in, like that. And then Austin Theory comes in and Vince does that thing where like, you know, in the elite, like, pretend they're on devices, but you can see they're not really on yeah. the phone. Vince kind of, like, forgets to hang up until his phone's halfway by his chest. I've got to go see you later. Well, he's holding <laughs> this phone by, like, his breast pocket, and he puts it, he's like, I didn't say come in. I said, who is it? So Austin Theory's immediately gaslit and on the back foot yet again. <laughs> but as you say, Vince sits him down. One of the cuts, one of my favourites of all the million camera cuts, because, as you say, Vince can't deliver the lines, is, uh, Vince, like, the talking stood up, and then Vince is like, hey, you can take a seat on that one. So they sit down together, and then Austin Theory wheels his chair closer to him, and Vince is like, push that chair back a little bit. Like, he's <laughs> terrified of catching COVID. And so they go again when like, the chairs are further apart. But yeah, Vince says, oh, I'm going to let you be in the Royal Rumble. And just for a second, midnight is new generation Vincent Mann commentator comes back. He goes, like, he says, we're going to put you in the Royal Rumble, and you're going to do really well, the most charismatic WWF champion of all time. But you better fucking win. I was just transported for a second, and then everything came crushing back. He goes, he does, he goes. It's still 2022, I'm not young, and it's not all still to play for. I don't care about that. We're going to put you in the Royal Rumble match, yeah! I... I just pause it and stare at Vince's face as well. Like, it takes me 10 minutes to watch a 20-second segment because I just want to look at him. Some, there's so much. Like, his face at this point looks like... You know those um, 
Like, and I'm, I've got, like, no sort of, like, mind for geography whatsoever, but, you know, like, on old, like, Windows rotation desktop backgrounds where you would just see some of the beautiful, like, wonders of the world. Yeah. Like, these, like, he just looks like one of those gorgeous rock faces that they would put <laughs> on your desktop to make you feel a bit more relaxed, you know? Just put a Vince face on your desktop and stare at it for a bit because there's so many creaks and cracks. And like, put them on, like, you know, the Netflix fire stuff in the yeah. background. <laughs> just have Vince on a night. You just look at it and you think, God, if I was the type of... If I was a Grayson Waller that enjoyed the great outdoors, I would jump off one of the ledges on his <laughs> cheekbones. Like, the thing about Vince McMahon looking like this, and we'll move swiftly on, I'll, I'll I'll never get over it. Like I'm taken <laughs> aback every like that's what he looks like now. It's I'll, I'm just, kind of I can never believe it. Yeah, in the interviews and stuff with the wrestlers, when they still say like, oh yeah, like I uh, I had this great relationship, with, like recent stuff I'm talking about, like 2021, like I had this great relationship with Vince. So we were t- we were talking back and forth the best way to get the character in your mind. You sort of still picture early 2000s yeah. Vince, don't you? It's this guy. Can you imagine having to pitch or discuss your character with? That I, I, I always think of the the Keith Lee thing that we saw where he's like, I'm ready to run through a brick wall now. Like I, I'm, I really, I could like power lift. Like I would. It's Does he mean run through Vince because he thought he was a brick wall? Because he looks <laughs> like a. I can understand the 1998 Vince selling me on the dream and saying, "Oh, this angle is yeah. gonna you know make you look like an asshole." But think about the people and the reaction. You'd be like, "Yeah." Yes! Look at you, the most entertaining guy in the world. Of course, I'm gonna like put a nap on or whatever. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. This guy saying, I want you to go on beer. Like, <laughs> what? That's I wouldn't even know what he was saying, yeah. let alone be convinced by his charms to do it. Chris Jericho said about the Jedi mind trick, it's the Yoda one because the words are all in the wrong order. <laughs> what, do it again? <laughs> right, Miz and Reese uh, come out. They are furious about what happened at day one. Uh, Miz says he was only one skunk crushing finale away from winning. Uh, he's a two time Grand Slam champion. He's better than Edge, he's only a one time Grand Slam champion. Uh, he talks about Beth Phoenix also. Anyone get uh, Rhea Ripley flashbacks when Beth Phoenix oh, came God. out? Beth Phoenix comes out, right? We all know what's happening. I cut me and, and Louise came down as I was watching this. And I went, oh, you know what's going to happen here, don't you? I said, either Maurice is going to get involved here and then subsequent Beth Phoenix. Or Maurice is going to get involved and Beth Phoenix is going to show up. Maurice gets involved. The crowd goes, oh, it's Beth Phoenix. And they cut and there's Beth Phoenix doing her best Ronda Rousey impression for some reason. Best edge impression. <laughs> Jesus Christ, if she couldn't get any more cringe. And I was like, I was like okay, cool. Do you want to watch the ring, Beth? Do you want to watch the ring? Beth, what are you doing? Beth? <laughs> Time to watch the ring. I was like, the delay on that was absolutely ridiculous. I, I, that was ridiculous. I feel mean-spirited if I talk about Beth Phoenix. It, it was rubbish. It's just, I, like, stop doing those things with your face. <laughs> stop using the words that you use. So anyway, he talks about... Just get back at the ring, please. <laughs> like the Edge couple, Mr. and Mrs. Edge, they thought it was so cool in this program, didn't they? They thought they were like zingers and everything. Edge was like, is this Beth or is it Christian? Because uh, five second pause, they were just so... So he talked about Beth Phoenix costing the match and talked about um, last week where I saw this at uh, day one. They did a wedding renewal of vows or something and they got a brood back, but we're not with blood, obviously, anymore with that... Vicious, uh, viscous liquid. Buckets like, of goo. Black They've goo. just got so much goo. <laughs> they got that uh, Florida place. <laughs> oh, baby. I wonder what that Christmas was like. Oh, I guess we've got another <laughs> car. 
Not even my car. I bought it with all the goo money that we've made. Anyway, they showed that, and he said, uh, oh, I hope you enjoyed that. You, you, you enjoyed that because you're miserable in his, here in South Carolina. Uh, and he said, Edge is hidden behind his wife. Very nice to touch this. He's hidden behind his wife. Who would do something like that? Crowd goes, you. And Marie says, yeah, it would never be you, darling. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and if, if Beth Phoenix was here, I'd punch her in the face. Of course, out comes Beth Phoenix. Out comes uh, Edge to his music. His entrance, by the way, at day one was sick. I know he's done it before, but I still enjoyed it. Um, uh, Phoenix comes out. She says, "Not surprised that Maurice don't. You don't act on your word." Um, and Edge wasn't surprised to see Miz full of excuses. Blah blah blah. Um, uh, Edge just got an idea because it was Beth's idea to get involved at day one. Uh, why don't we have a mixed tag match at the Royal Rumble? The It Couple versus the Grit Couple. Um, the crowd cheered, chant yes. Miz hesitated. Phoenix, uh, you know, encourages him to, to give an answer, and he says, "Yep, we accept." And Maurice isn't happy, and then she gets the old fake-out punch that Edge did to Miz to put her on her ass, and uh, Maurice storms off, Miz chases after her, and we've got the, the tag match for the Royal Rumble. You take the word, the letter G-A... Oh, God, I was going to do a big Austin thing. He's going to do a big Austin thing about, you know, a couple... I have my exact opinion of our merch and breath food. <laughs> uh, it didn't really work, but it's funny that it didn't. Yeah. Uh, I hate all this. Why must it continue? That match was so drab. It wasn't good. It exposed it. quite a lot. Yeah, I like um, the match more than I like anything. I, I could, I'm happy now to not see any of these four between no. now and the Royal Rumble and like the mixed tag matches of a certain interest to me. For that matter, Miz and Maurice were unbelievable when it came to unbelievable in building the John Cena-Nicky Bella match. So maybe they can have some fun taking the piss out of the great couple because even when he was saying it, Edge... Got a big of. prop vein. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can see Miz oh, doing the yeah. sort of the spur, spur. Like, Edge saying grit was him. And I, like, kind of appreciate this, trying to own that that was all a bit daft and, yeah. like, far too earnest. So I think that was him trying to make light of all that. Miz would be even better at making light of that. So maybe they can actually have some fun with this in the build. But really, I've kind of got what I wanted out of this all along. I've just remembered Maurice's Nikki Bella impression after going and watch it all again. Yeah. John. John. Um, right, next up. Hello, Nikki, you are my girlfriend. <laughs> why did they win that match? I mean, I know why, but... Oh. John Cena, like, is legitimately intimidated by the Miz. John Cena and CM Punk. Like, Miz lives rent-free. Honestly, I like they're so intimidated by him. You should just watch day one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do I have to worry about? Uh, backstage with... He's not even a star. <laughs> Patrick uh, is interviewing Biggie, um, And I like Biggie properly just, you know, he's not just like... It's not John Cena. Well, lost the world title. He's genuinely gutted. Um, said WWE champ. Being WWE champ meant a lot to him. Uh, meant something to a lot of people. Is that too. the end? Uh, nearly there. Uh, no shame in losing to Lesnar, though. But he's, what he's not going to do is wallow in self-pity. His next chapter is going to be the best chapter. And tonight was going to be the start of reclaiming what's his. And there's not a soul on earth and who could stop him. And before we got uh, to the main event, we got Omos versus AJ Styles. Uh, Styles trying to chop down the big man with strikes and kicks and what have you. Uh, tries to outsmart him and gets out of the ring and what have you. Uh, and go, goes after Omos as he's climbing out of the ring, etc. Uh, but eventually Omos just nails him with a big boot. Styles fights back, goes for the phenomenal forearm, but almost swats him out of midair with a big chop uh, and hits a press slam and then the tree slam for the victory, Sige. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> AJ Styles tried to do some inventive, I need to play like a really layered strategic game against a moss. There were certain spots that he did where I thought, oh, that's really clever. 
Thank you, AJ, for trying. Uh, this is a futile task. It reminded me of Christopher Daniels versus Matt Morgan in TNA, this. Just like, <laughs> oh, you're trying to drag a good match out of this guy <laughs> and he can't work. Um, I don't even think Amos can do, like, Great Carly 2007 stuff. Like, I really don't. As a fan of Great Carly 2007 stuff as well, I think I agree. Once upon a time, I would have said, be alarmed that this has just been paid off on Raw because it's Raw Rumble season and Omos is looking like one of the favourites. Now, there's an opposition. There's other wrestling to watch. It's a wide world out there. Get excited that Omos is going to be one of the favourites going to the Raw Rumble because that is chaotic. Absolutely. Like they've, He's going to be the guy they break out there. Who on earth are they going to get him over the top rope? I, mean, I don't even think he can do a good like shortcut plunder brawl. Like I worry about this lad. Like... They've, the worst thing is, well, they've invested so heavily. Can you put this, Knoxville in with him? Oh, I don't know. They theoretically mm. should have got a much better reaction. Eight months of, by WWE standards, earnestly pretty good work. I mean, if you look at the New Day program before WrestleMania, but in the ring, they've got the crowd crowd on side. Like The guy's work is literally so bad that all of that has just been washed away by the strength of them doing a singles match for 30 seconds. Also, who's the babyface and who's the heel in this dynamic? I assumed it was going to be babyface almost heel AJ Styles, and then I was like, oh. No, they'll flip reverse it. But then they need it back the other way for the NXT show we're going to preview later on today with AJ yeah, Styles. Yeah, it's AJ that, on he's, NXT He's a babyface across the WWE landscape. He's, a, he's the babyface in this match as yeah. well. Um, I, I, think, thought, I thought almost was going to get hit him so hard he saw the curvature of the earth, but then, you know. <laughs> I think... I think uh, Omos is going to have that exact spot, the Rumble. Who can throw him out? Uh, Priest is going to try, but Damien's going to manage it, and then you're going to have a handicap match for WrestleMania for the US title. Um, just before the main event, <sighs> we were informed that next week begins Alexa Bliss's journey back to Raw. Please let this be Alexa Bliss and not child Alexa Bliss or Lily or any of that bollocks, right? Who? You haven't got your gimmick. You need to get that back out. Oh, yeah, I need to put that on the soundboard. Lily. Yeah. If WWE can go to the trouble of ordering a new job lot of goo, you can bring Lily back. <laughs> the lever. I'm, I'm not going to do it because I want to leave her in 2021. So she'll be a Royal Rumble favourite. But whatever, just as a next place, please. Someone did the maths. There's not 30 women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there? No. no. Oh, no. Right, main event time. Uh, it is Biggie, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and Bobby Lashley. Winner faces Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble, and this was just loads of fun. Uh, early on, Owens and Rollins split off to face uh, and take out Lashley and Biggie. Biggie hits that spear through the ropes as Lashley and Rollins are brawling around ringside. Um, uh, eventually, they take. Uh, Owens and, and Rollins out, and there's the face-off between Biggie and Lashley. Lashley gets the better of it, hits Biggie with a vertical suplex, does the same to Kevin Owens, uh, and he goes for that spear through the barricade like he hit on uh, Lesnar on Owens, but Owens moves and Lashley crashes through it, and then Owens and Rollins team up to go after Big E, who suplexes Rollins on the outside, clears the announce table, but they team up, they do the shield powerbomb on Big E through the table to take us to a break. They even, I think, hit Big E with the stairs during the commercial break. They continue to team up, but eventually uh, Big E, Lashley start fighting back. Uh, he hits uh, Uranagi on Seth Rollins, but he hits he runs straight into an Owens super kick. Lashley takes out Owens, 
and then Big E and Lashley give each other a look and go after Owens and Rollins. They go up through the crowd, up the stairs, into the concourse around the back, and Big E slams Owens through a merch table as we head to a break. When we come back, they're still fighting in the crowd. Everyone's fighting each other, uh, and Owens hits this bonkers flippy dive off the railing onto all of them. Big, this is awesome chant off the back of it. Uh, Owens hits Big E with a senton. Uh, Rollins hits a frog splash. This is the moment where Owens doesn't attempt to break up the fall. Arms in the air. He thinks they've got this match won as Rollins covers Big E. Um, but it's only a near fall. They both hit super kicks. Owens hits a pop-up powerbomb, but Lashley pushes Rollins into them to break up the cover. He then starts chucking everyone around. Owens, Rollins, Rollins pushed Big E into a Lashley spear. Lashley also spears Rollins. Owens tries to sneak in and hit a stunner on Lashley to win the match, but Lashley blocks it, pushes him off. Spear, one, two, three. We are getting Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, one-on-one, at the Royal Rumble. He celebrates, like you said, he genuinely felt like he, this was something he's actually looked forward to for years, Hamlet. Uh, and in the back, Kevin Patrick uh, approaches <laughs> Brock Lesnar, uh, who's, you know, intrigued by what he's just seen and wants, Lesnar, uh, wants Reigns to know that he's going to be on SmackDown on Friday. Episodic cliffhanger from WWE again, like doing things that they just don't do anymore. So that's like I appreciated that as a way to end the show. Loved Bobby Lashley's euphoric celebrations. Almost nothing means anything in WWE, but he wants this match, and this was obviously he knew it was going to happen. But this is the on-screen manifestation of that, and he you could tell he didn't need to act. He was absolutely thrilled with it. A hard match to analyze, but that's not a criticism. In that it didn't look luxur- for me anyway. It didn't particularly luxuriate in any one detail. I just liked everything I got to look at. Like, it was really well-paced. It was really well, as Cedric points out, like, these multi-mans, they know how to arrange these things to maximise the response from the crowd who were with it throughout. Mm -hmm. Like, at no point, you knew this wasn't going to, like, outstay its welcome or go too long or just, like, miss its peak or anything. You just knew it wouldn't. Like, the Owens um, entrance dive felt like he's very good at finding danger when you think there's none left to be found. He's jumped off a lot of high things before, and ultimately you never remember them the following week. So you, in that sense, you could question the value of the bump long term. But in the moment, you're totally captivated because, like, God, it feels like about 20 years since I saw, like, a Jeff Hardy or whatever do something like that spot. Yeah, when they normally go in the crowd, I'm like, oh, cool, so you're just going to hold each other, roll walk up. up the stairs, walk it down. Roll down, yeah. you know. And I will say as well, just to go back to something we talked about before, this Rollins-Owens relationship is so much fun to look at and analyse where the little details are. Because on Sunday, it was really, and day one, so it was really earnest. It was like, all right, they are fighting for each other. That's pretty cool. It's very in keeping with Kevin Owens to be like, yes, I want us to win the title. I want you to fight Brock. Like, uh, Owens knows this is no reward, but he kind of, like, there was like, yeah, yeah, go for it, Seth, because then you do the hard bit, and I'll, <laughs> I'll like, sort of pick the pieces afterwards. So that was the one sort of detail I appreciate. Otherwise, as a match, like, impossible to look away from. They're really good at this, and the outcome was tremendous, too. I'm going to say something nice here. Go on. WWE's got a toxic reputation of they'll fire you. The contracts mean nothing. Your boss won't even talk to you half the time. You get completely overworked. The schedule's horrible. It's brutal. You've got no agency over your character. It's a very callous, toxic regime. Something so nice here, right? If Kevin Owens had any kind of unresolved kind of conflict about going to AEW, they brought AEW to him. I say, well, nick one of their spots and he's going to do a big <laughs> run-up-the-bloody thing. I'm about to com- that was a joke. I'm going to completely contradict that joke, which was a joke, because over the past week and some of the interactions with Seth Rollins leading up to it, 
like the high fives and the thought they'd done it and all the rest of it. Everyone's like saying, oh, he mustn't care about good book and he's a mercenary, he just wants the money and all the rest of it. Like, creatively, he must be having a little bit of fun working mm. for WWE right now. And for me, that is actually infectious. Like, the nicest thing I could possibly say about this main event, which I thought was really fun, is that the big Kevin Owens resigns with AEW, uh, with WWE, and, you know, he sold his soul, and he can't be creatively fulfilled. That feels like a load of bollocks for now. Mm. I'm sure in a few months that all of that will change. But for now, it feels like, you know what, he might have made a decent decision for his, uh, not just for his bank. Mm. I thought it was a great main event, considering we've seen these men fight each other mm. just a few days ago. I thought it was a very different match. Obviously, without Lesnar, in, it's going to be a different match, but still memorable. Excited, hopefully, does well in the ratings. You know, up and down show as always with Monday Night Raw, but the stuff that was good, the opening and the the, the ending of the show, I thought was was really really good. Uh, so. Yeah, decent start to 2022, I suppose, for Monday Night Raw. Let's see how they follow that up with SmackDown and, and NXT, of course. It's going to be like next Monday, the streak is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE, of course. Watch that. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, and watch it there. Leave us a five-star review review, uh, just like Darth Justice MD did. We'll be back later on today with our preview of New Year's Evil on NXT Dubai. Oh! For now, my thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 